What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 46 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, this is a very special episode because it comes out on the week of our one year Did You Hear anniversary. We have been doing this for a full year now, just about 110, 115 episodes. It's been an incredible run. So happy I'm doing it with you. And when you look at how far we've come, based on our first episode, that was about the Bengals. I remember last year. earning your stripes, I believe it exactly. was called. Exactly. Look at where we are now. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool that a year ago we started this thing. Thank you to everyone that has joined us on that journey as we go through year one. Um, it's been pretty crazy, you know, from dropping our Did You Hears to having some awesome guests on to starting weekly walk-off. Um, it's been a pretty great year. Yeah. And it led into our new college basketball podcast, which we mm-hmm. mentioned last week, our first episode, just Pat and I dropped today. So make sure you check that out. We would really appreciate a listen there if you are a college basketball fan. But Pat, Pat had an amazing idea for the episode <laughs> today on election day. So I'm going to throw it to you and you can introduce our topic. Well, I mean, as everyone listens to this, it is election day. Make sure to go out and vote for your local officials, by the way. Um, so we, uh, we thought what could be more fun than casting some votes. Cause that's what everyone's going to be doing today. So we're going to look at just, you know, we're about halfway through the season, just about not, not quite there, but um, of course, 17 games now, a little different I know. <laughs> No man's land. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but we're going to, you know, cast some votes for how we see some awards through so far this season, as well as some different things like surprising, disappointing things of that nature. So like I said, we're, we're just going to play some votes and have some fun. Yeah. I'm excited. It is a good halfway point to cast mm-hmm. out some votes. I like that. I think we've given it enough time where people have really solidified themselves and we did the contenders and pretenders too. So Which we're at fun. the point. Yeah, we can start giving some real credit to the people that deserve it. So I think excited. so. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Should we start with the obvious one? Sure. Kick it off. Pat and I did not discuss our picks beforehand. I have a feeling we'll probably be pretty similar throughout. I was going to say, have you, you have me concerned now with the obvious one. I'm like, oh no, which one did we? Which <laughs> one is gonna, it? I was going to say MVP. That Ooh. was the obvious one to me. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant the the award that was the most obvious, not mm-hmm. the most obvious pick. My MVP is Kyler Murray. Okay. And it's because when you talk about Kyler Murray and the not anymore undefeated Cardinals, yes. because the Packers beat them on Thursday night last week, the seven and one Cardinals ahead of the best conference in football, the NFC West, they're above the Rams right now. And they have that head to head victory, which is a really big deal. Kyler Murray, the reason why I give him the MVP, it's not just because he's the quarterback of arguably the best team in football. Mm -hmm. He's second in completion percentage among qualified quarterbacks, and he's also third in passing yards. When you think about Kyler Murray, what's the most electric part of his game? His legs. And he's third in the league in passing yards. I I feel like that's a really big deal, and we don't talk about it as much with him as we do with Lamar Jackson about Mm -hmm. the whole – we don't, we don't even have to get into it. Just the yeah. whole thing about how he can't be a quarterback, the running back, whatever. Kyler Murray is an absolute cannon and he just unleashes the ball. And he of course has some exceptional pass catchers with him, but he's doing it all this year. And the dynamic that he creates with his legs and his arms, I think is the most valuable tandem in the league right now. I, I love that you go with his arm too. Cause that's what I would really focus on with Murray and that 
the arm strength for him and the amount of power he's able to generate is pretty remarkable. Honestly, like it, it gets made fun of all the time, but he does have, you know, a smaller build and yeah. is not as big as a lot of NFL quarterbacks. It doesn't matter with the amount of power he's able to really generate into those throws. I love watching him throw the ball down the field. I think he's going to be right there in the MVP conversation here. As I say that I do have a different MVP pick. Um, all right. But some deviance. yeah, a little bit, but Murray's a stud. He's if anything, he is probably the most fun to watch in the league. Yeah. That's for sure. On that uh, Cardinals offense, which is, you know, high tempo, high scoring. It was a great game on Thursday night um, against oh, yeah. the Packers. And as Weird you said, one of on the best Thursday night. Yeah. bizarre game on Thursday night. Um, uh, but as you said, too, one of the better teams in the league. So he's certainly going to be right up there. Yeah. And we've had this discussion with baseball, too. I mm-hmm. am a firm believer of the most valuable player in the league does not have to come to the best team. I just think it happens that Kyler Murray is the best team or is the best player on the best team. And he's also the best team in the league, but I'm, I'm curious go. to see who you, who you got. Cause I actually don't think the MVP was an obvious pick here. No, I didn't, which is why I was thrown off at the stars. Like, wow, yeah. you are confident yeah. <laughs> in your pick, <laughs> but my pick for this year at the age of 44, it's Tom Brady. I, Tom Brady is my MVP and Tom Brady is who I think is going to end up winning the MVP come the end of this year. He's leading the NFL in passing yards. He's leading the NFL in touchdowns. He's got explosive weapons all around him. I mean, we see with Mike Evans and and Godwin, and and we know how Antonio Brown has been. Leonard Fournette has been so much better this year than I would have pictured. Uh, Again, to your point, he's on one of the league's best teams. And just looking at numbers to think about what Tom Brady is doing right now, we are eight games into the season. He has more touchdown passes than he had all of his final year in New England eight games into the season in half of the time. It just shows kind of the, the transformation that Brady has been able to go to going to Bruce Arians and airing that ball out now with such different, you know, makeup of that offense and such different play calling. He's been able to thrive. He's done it incredibly so far this season. I think he's only going to continue to put up huge numbers because I think the bucks are for me, the bucks are the second best team in the NFC. Cause I do firmly believe the Rams are the best team in the NFC. And then mm-hmm. I have the Cardinals at three. He's going to be right there in the conversation with some of the best teams. And of course a playoff team with the numbers, he's got the potential to put up. I've got him as my MVP. Yeah. I like that. And the reason why the bucks aren't the best team is because of injuries. So mm-hmm. far. I think fully healthy. They are better than the Rams. Ooh. Yeah. You actually, that was very, very well put everything you, you said. He thrives in Tampa under this offense where he has the freedom mm-hmm. to throw. I, I wish I had the name off the top of your head. Do you? The guy he threw the touchdown pass to at the end of the Saints game. It was somebody uh-huh. I have never. It was C-Y-R-I-L. Searle? I don't even know how to pronounce that. I, That's what it is. I can't help <laughs> That's you there. Where we are. <laughs> because obviously he's throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and yep. then he's throwing to these guys. It's unbelievable what Tom Brady does year after year. We, it's been talked about ad nauseum, the difference between Bruce Arians and Bill Belichick and the difference between the weapons he had his last year in New England versus the weapons he has now. The bottom line is that Tom Brady is the best football player to have ever played the sport, the best quarterback to have ever played the sport, and this is why he could very well win the MVP at 44 years old. What else is there to say about it? I hope Cyr- he wins it. I hope Cyril wins Grayson. It. Zero Grayson as the name had, had to make sure I had it. Cause I was like, I, you're right. I just don't remember the last name. If anyone has um, heard of him before that <laughs> touchdown pass, please reach out. But no, it's, it's, it's incredible. 
you know, what he's put up since he got to Tampa, of course, winning the Super Bowl last year. And then he's just continued to stack numbers again this year, uh, you know, just past 600 touchdowns as well uh, for the career. I think he's going to come away with the MVP. I have an honorable mentions for me where Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, who I think are going to be right around there, but Brady's my guy for, for MVP this year. It's interesting with Kyler Murray too, because it seems like he's always on the mid season MVP list Mm -hmm. and it's down the stretch when he, this train start to fall off and Carolina's, I mean, Carolina, Arizona is usually made out that way, but it seems like this year's they're, they're turning the corner. I was going to ask you who else, was in consideration because I felt like this was a relatively short list. I thought about Lamar Jackson. I thought about Josh Allen. If Aaron Rodgers continues to play the way he did on Thursday night, can definitely be on definitely the list Yep, on that list. Yeah. But it, it doesn't seem to be the, the huge names that we've seen in years past. No, I mean, I guess if you think Mahomes can put on a Mahomes second half, maybe he can get himself back in the conversation. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, But for me, it's, it's Brady Murray Allen are the three that I look at as most likely. And then I would put Rogers in there at fourth. And if you want to throw another guy in there, why not Matt Stafford? Who's looked really, really good in LA so far. The poor guy. We, I mean, we, oh, this will be my segue. My offensive player of the year is Cooper Cup. No and way I we pick the same guy. It has to be, right? Oh, it I thought we were going to be different there, but yeah, oh, I this wrote was Cooper Cup. My offensive rookie of the year was my most obvious pick, but mm. this one was immediate for me. Cooper Cup is having a wide, wide receiver season for the ages. He leads in every single statistical category. I'm not going to run through them because every (laughs) single category he's leading in on offense and Matt Stafford deserves a lot of credit, but he somehow isn't in that conversation. He's the one throwing the ball to Cooper cup and you could separate them because cup is incredible after the catch and he's incredible in the red zone. And he is an incredible route runner. You could just continue to pile on the compliments, but it's just funny that, two guys like that are having incredible seasons. We're not putting them both in the award category. So I will tell you that had the events of Monday gone differently, I would have gone with Derrick Henry as, as offensive player of the year, but with the injury. And I'm not sure if he's going to miss the whole season, but he's certainly going to miss a chunk of time. Um, I, I switched to Cooper cup, but just to look at Henry, almost a thousand yards, in eight games, 10 rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown, of course, as we, we have to throw that out there, you know, leading the league in, in attempts as well. He's already had 219 rushing attempts so far in 2021, which is just insane. Um, you know, over almost 1100 scrimmage yards, one fumble in all of that. Uh, it's pretty crazy what Derek Henry's put up this year. It's so unfortunate that he had this foot yeah. injury because just generational running back. I'm not sure even sums up what, what we've seen from Derrick Henry. It's incredible. The numbers. It's unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what makes me happy. It's obviously so tragic that this injury happened because we would have continued to see more records going down. The overuse question was never a problem. It wasn't an overuse thing. This was kind of a freak accident and yep. they're being a little bit, close to the vest about the injury. And That's why I said, I don't know if it's yeah, going it, to be the season or not. It's kind of peculiar. Honestly, they won't even say what it is. They won't say if it's season ending, they're saying it's significant. And anytime the word significant is thrown out there, that's obviously mm-hmm. a really big deal, but it's horrible that it happened, but it's not because he gets 40 plus carries a game. He yep. was doing that and he was still just he was as fine. effective this year as he was last year. 
No, you're so right. So I, I wanted to focus on Henry, but because of that injury, I switched to Cooper Cup just to look at Cup. And I know you went through some of this stuff. He's got 63 catches this year. That's 11 more than anyone else. <laughs> 10 touchdowns, which is crazy to think about for where we are. Over 900 yards, which again is just crazy to think about for where we are in the season. And then I found this one really interesting. He has 15 catches of 20 or more yards. He is he is the key cog to that Rams offense, obviously, from everything that Stafford does. He's part of why that, you know, that offense has been so explosive. He's reliable. He makes plays. He's in the red zone. He does everything. And because of that, with the Henry injury, I go Cooper Cup. I feel like a big storyline going into the season was the Cooper Cup Robert Woods duo and how mm-hmm. underrated it was. And not only has Cup blown that out of the water, yeah, for he sure. has made Robert Woods almost a non entity in this offense. Kind of crazy. And who saw that coming? And also, who if they did saw that coming, thought that would be a positive. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who else is on the field. Cooper Cup gets it done all by himself. And I am blessed enough to have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> and I'm very happy about it. Uh, I was blessed to have Derrick Henry on my fantasy mm-hmm. team. And then he went down today. So I can probably kiss my money, my good money league uh, away now yes. uh, after today. But you know what? It was a good fight through the first part of the season. Thank you, Derek, for all your service to my I'm team. I'm so sorry <laughs> for you, Pat. That, that is okay. And I'm all more those for affected him by that news. Feds. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because it's uh, not being able to watch him play football is a real bummer because it's just, yeah. it's so different than everything else we see in this league. Running backs players humans aren't built like derrick henry yep. so to, to lose the opportunity to see him just sucks for everyone question for you his numbers were obviously down because he was hurt and he was yeah. working through that and he didn't full, play a full game if he had had a down game but was healthy would you have still given it to him over cup i would have just because of the freakish year he's had so far okay um, interesting but yeah with the injury of course plagued him throughout the game and he still played most of the game even with the injury which is just crazy um so th- this I wish we could have seen this race really play out all year because just the the running back wide receiver of Henry and cup, the numbers that yeah. I think both these guys could have put up over a 17 game season are just out of this world. Uh, but now with that, I do think cup should be the, the heavy favorite here. Maybe another guy, Ooh. maybe another guy comes into that race, maybe, but yeah, maybe. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a real bummer. And I have more on the Titans as we go on, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they recover. Yeah, for sure. That. The, the crux of their offense. All right. You, you take one. Go ahead. Let's go defensive player of the year. Cause here, I, I think it comes down to two guys. So I think it's really interesting. And the two that I would look at is of course, Trayvon Diggs, Cow- Cowboys quarterback, seven interceptions, two of them returned for touchdowns. And the other one's miles Garrett of the Browns, 10 and a half sacks already. I'm going to go with miles Garrett, which I know is not the popular pick. Cause I think a lot will go with Trayvon Diggs because seven interceptions is just insane. But what Miles Garrett is able to do, just counting the run game as well, he wrecks game plans and he manhandles tackles. He gets to quarterbacks. He was the quarterback Grim Reaper for Halloween for everyone that yeah, saw the that costume with all the names written on the back. Very clever. I loved it, Miles. Um, but just what he does and, and being a defensive end, he's able to affect the play on you know the game on every play. I go with Garrett there. Ten and a half sacks at this point in the season is pretty crazy. Um, it, that's why I give him the nod over Diggs, though Diggs has had some insane numbers. Yeah, I went with Diggs here, so yep, it, I'm glad we have the, the differences here. You know what's funny, though? It seems like people make, make such a stink over the word valuable in MVP. Yeah. 
over what defines valuable exactly and you take the team's play into it and that whole thing when you have offensive and defensive player of the year you don't have that mm-hmm. so you could argue that Trayvon Diggs is the defensive player of the year but you could also argue that Miles Garrett is the most valuable defensive player like for the it. exact reason that you said mm-hmm. he wrecks game plans yep he wrecks quarterbacks and if you were to take him out of that Browns defense the Browns are nothing nothing Mm -hmm. and Trayvon Diggs is the Cowboys defense right now but I could still see the Cowboys recovering without him and I don't see the Browns defense recovering without Miles Garrett which is kind of weird because the Browns have a better defense anyway. Yeah. But Miles too. Garrett is just on another level and what he's able to bring from the sack perspective. I said Trayvon Diggs because his interception numbers are out of this world. They're crazy. It's never been like that before. And the momentum shift that it brings. But on the other on the other side, how could you argue against Miles Garrett? He's insane. This is another great race. Really, it is yeah. for, for defensive player of the year. And Diggs, you know, he's able to make those plays. He can change games by himself as well the two defensive touchdowns really i had to think about that because that is so huge to be able to put points up on the board for your team as well as take them away with those interceptions but i did give garrett the slight edge though this is a another great one yeah maybe more of a quantifiable edge for Mm -hmm. Diggs because of those points but the fear that he instills in quarterbacks and he did a very good job of showing that with his halloween costume yes he did pretty unquantifiable <laughs> absolutely you want to take one that i i think we're we're pretty aligned on here with offensive yeah rookie? we'll yeah. keep this one short it's this was the most obvious one to me offensive rookie of the year jamar chase and i think if he continues to put up numbers he actually had a down week this past week he could could slight possibility challenge cooper cup for the offensive player of oh the wow year. very confident there i think it's there he is third in yards and he's tied for third in touchdowns and what I wanted to talk about because we could go on and on about his highlight reels and what he adds to this Bengals offense this was the pick that was the most scrutinized pick in the draft yes it was absolutely And instead of really prepping for the future and a drafting a generational lineman in Penny Sewell which is what a lot of people thought the Bengals should do they kind of put all their chips in and they went for it this year and they bet on Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and the rest of this offense and look where they are now arguably one of the best teams in the AFC and it is without a doubt because of how good and how much of a difference maker Jamar Chase is yeah maybe we should redo our MVP picks and go to Mike White actually um, oh my God, that was a missed opportunity by me. <laughs> How could we now. after that, that Bengals Jets game uh, over the weekend? But no, on Chase, I do have to go Chase here, even though I do think there is a, a second finisher that is very worthy of being in the conversation that I'll tell you about in a second. But for, for Chase, the number we will look at, of course, you know, the seven touchdowns is, is huge, but 20.7 yards per reception. 20.7 yeah. he it is it's big plays all the time with him with his speed with his route running uh his ability to go up and, and make contested catches jamar chase has the chance to be an absolute superstar in this league some would say he probably already is one yeah. um i know i've seen tweets going around with jamar chase is a top blank receiver in the nfl i'm not sure what the answer to that is yet but he certainly has the potential to be up there towards the top Really exciting what the Bengals offense can be. We've talked about them a ton this year because I think they've been a really interesting team. Um, Chase, for me, definitely offensive rookie of the year. I love that the sentence we've talked about the Bengals a lot this year just came yeah, out of their mouth. Right? How many people expected us to be 
talking about the Bengals so much this They've year. earned it. They have. Other what what has weekend. been the consensus of the Jamar Chase is a blank receiver in the league? I've seen top, I think top 10 people feel pretty comfortable with. Yeah. And then you can, if you want to push top five, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's so arbitrary. They're yeah. so hard. He's remember, he's played eight games. I have a tough time being like Jamar Chase is the second best receiver in football <laughs> or so uh, after eight games. Yeah. Um, but what you can see the, the talent, you, you can't deny it. The biggest compliment I have is that he doesn't act like a rookie. No. He doesn't act like a rookie. He doesn't speak like a rookie. He doesn't play like a rookie. And he showed some flaws in the Bengals' loss to the Jets, and the entire Dropped team the showed flaws. Yeah. yeah, he had two. He had that drop in the touchdown, then he had another really costly drop that mm-hmm. could have extended the Bengals' drive. If that happens, that could change the course of the game, and there was a call that could have changed the course of the game too. But that was literally the first time that we've been talking about Jamar Chase in a negative way. Yep. And this was coming after him saying that the NFL balls were too whatever. (laughs) That 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 created a lot of controversy in the preseason. Exactly. That whole fabricated story, which is what we're saying. What fabricated? No way. Did people make a big deal out of a top college wide receiver making a few drops in the preseason? I would never guess that such a thing would happen. Um, But no, you're so right. And then one other player that is 100% worth mentioning, Rashawn Slater. For the charges, you're gonna say it. You you know I'm gonna say because I love the guy, and I was just I, I I fell in love, you know, watching him in the draft and being like, this is going to be an impact tackle. It's exactly what he's been for the Chargers. He's got an 88% pass block win rate as a rookie. 88%. He does not lose very often in these one-on-one blocking matchups. He is a building block of a tackle. He's gonna be a franchise player for them to be able to protect Justin Herbert. They had a home run with Slater. Jamar Chase is, you know, incredible. An offensive lineman most likely is not going to win offensive rookie of the year just with how numbers are in the league today. But Rashawn Slater's impact is so important to everything the Chargers do. You talk about value there too. Mm -hmm. Who adds more to the value of the Chargers offense than Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater, really? And I'll I'll add another name because he really does deserve to be in this conversation. It's Mac Jones. Yeah. And I know you're going to continue trying to get me off that hill, but I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to stay on it because of how composed he looked and that chargers win. And that's a game that the Patriots have been losing all year long, Mm -hmm. all year long. It's the penalties and the wrong decision-making and costly drops and all those things. Finally, one of these switches flipped and it happened to be against a really, really good team happened to be against Justin Herbert, Mac Jones. It's not flashy. It's probably not going to win him offensive player of the year but it's the type of play that you can see for 15 years and maybe a couple of championships in new England. Oh, wow. Throws the championships line in there too. <laughs> I had to. Um, yeah. I'm still not there with Jones being in like the, the top rookie type conversation, but of the quarterbacks, he's been the best rookie quarterback. Yeah. That, I don't think there's much of a debate there. And, and I have been impressed by that. Steady is the word, you know, is the, the correct word to use with him. Um, we'll have to c- continue to see how he progresses, but he's, he's been what I think a lot of people thought Mac Jones could be. So can I challenge you a little here? Yeah. Does he need more pizzazz? What are you lacking from him? What else does he need to show you? I Listen, it's not all his fault. It's a lot of it is the offense and how it's built. It's the offense that chased Tom Brady out of town. It's not yeah. an explosive offense. It's not. So it's not his fault. I, I just think when you, you know, you look at it, like I, I can't say he's been better than a Jamar Chase or a Rashawn Slater. So that's why um, totally. I leave them there. But as I said, rookie quarterback wise, no one's played better than him so far. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence has turned the ball over like crazy. Zach Wilson's had his up and downs. You know, Justin Fields has been very bad for, for most of his games. Like, 
no, for, for sure. Mac Jones has been the best so far. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just an, it's an interesting discussion because I feel like people fall more on your side than on mm-hmm. my side. And it's almost like a Jameis Winston tore his ACL, which is a horrible. I know. Result. So, so disappointing. Tough, tough injury week for the NFL. But the reason why I said that out of the blue is that it's similar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the reason why I said that is because Sean Payton has Jameis on such a short leash. Mm-hmm. And it still feels like Bill Belichick is keeping Mac Jones on a really short lease. And I know that. Oh, I think so. Part of the reason that's happening is because you don't have the offensive explosive playmakers that can extend a play. So mm-hmm. it's more of the the dipping and dunking as opposed to letting it fly for 45 yards. And I think that's fine in Mac's first year, but he's also, it, it's just his command and his poise and yep. he reads defenses so well. And LA doesn't have a great defense. I'll give you that, but it was a big win because the chargers are supposed to be one of the best teams in the AFC. And I think that's a huge morale win. And I know that that's kind of a taboo word and Patriots fans are sick of that. But <laughs> it's true. No, it, it is true. So no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm totally fair there. Yeah. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. I think this is an easy one. Uh, not too much. Micah to be Parsons. Here. It's, it's yeah. Micah Parsons. Um, the, the biggest thing with Micah Parsons is that he's more of an interior linebacker and he leads all rookies in pass rush win rate with 26% as more of an interior linebacker. Um, you know, we've seen that it's, it's very impressive and he's been good in coverage. He blows up plays. It's, it's Micah Parsons. He was that question mark pick that mm-hmm. risky pick termed at the time. And I think all the teams that passed on him regret it because there were a lot of questions about his health. I think it was the back, right? It was that there, he also had some pretty serious off the field allegations against him too, which made him drop. Yeah. So the, the conglomeration of that, and that obviously makes a lot of sense, but as the linebacker position continues to shift, you get guys like Parsons who continue to expand the list of things on the job description that a linebacker can do. And he seems to embody that really, really well. But how crazy is it that the Cowboys defense at the midseason mark mm-hmm. has the defensive player of the year, in my opinion, and the defensive rookie of the year? The Cowboys defense, arguably one of the worst units in the league coming into the season. If people can make fun of the Joneses and deservedly so they've hit on their drafts over the last couple of years that they, point. they really have with, you know, going back to Prescott, your, your CD lambs, your Trayvon Diggs, your Michael Parsons, but Zach Martins, like they have drafted so many really fundamental players to their team that yes, absolutely. Let's make fun of the Joneses because they deserve it for all the things that they do and say, but they can draft. They they really can. Um, two players that I just want to point out to that I, I think should be in the race. Uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa from the Browns uh, fell to the second round, flies all over the field for them, plays a bunch of different possession, positions, really, really fast linebacker. Then to give the Giants a little bit of credit because they don't get much and they don't give it to much. them, Pat. But Aziz, Aziz Ojolari has been very good for the Giants. He's got five and a half sacks. That is the most among all rookies. I uh, was a second round pick out of Georgia, so he does deserve to be in the conversation. There's my like Giants it. reference. You got to get it in. Got to get it in. Take the wins when you can. Yeah, there's <laughs> not many of them. Did you have a coach of the year pick? Oh, I did not write that down. Um, I thought this one was pretty wide open coach of the year do I, is it too easy to say cliff kingsbury for the turnaround in arizona oh, that's a good one. yeah because i hadn't even thought of that actually. that's where my brain first goes um 
if the Titans are able to be one of the top teams in the AFC with Derrick Henry out, I think Mike Vrabel is going to win it. Um, yeah, but that's actually that, a great point. That kind yeah. of remains to be seen and we'll see what happens. Can you imagine if Zach Taylor goes from hot seat to coach of the year <laughs> for the Bengals? What, what do you think? <laughs> I had Matt LaFleur. Okay. And I, the guy I doesn't lose. Yeah. The guy doesn't lose. He's done an exceptional job of evening things out. When was the last time that people talked about Aaron Rodgers wanting out of green Bay? Mm-hmm. Funny winning seems to <laughs> crazy, right? Cure all the problems. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. I, I thought about Zach Taylor, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers are back, Pat. I would just like you to take a second to address the people, the haters who have their pitchforks outside their house who are just begging you to give the Steelers some credit. Uh, I won't because they're still going to miss the playoffs. That offense is horrible. You just keep shutting the door. In <laughs> but listen, that win over the Browns, oh, that is bad for the Browns. That is unacceptable. Um, yeah. It but, was ugly. It was yeah, an ugly com- game. Yes, it was. But now the Steelers are above 500. So I think I think Tomlin is basically in the coach of the year conversation. He won't be taking the USC job after that exactly. press conference. Oh, one of is, my favorite quotes. He is very adamant about that. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like this one is pretty arbitrary. But I do think Matt LaFleur deserves some credit for what he's done losing to the Saints and coming back the way the no, Packers have. LaFleur is a great pick because as you said, the guy doesn't lose. Like he just, yeah. it, look at his career record. He really doesn't. But on Tomlin, just because it's my favorite, like my favorite quote I've seen, there is not a booster with a big enough blank check direct quote about the USC job. Ugh. Yep. Mike Tomlin's quotes are too good. Made his stance pretty clear on that. And I agree with him. <laughs> yeah. I why? Him. No, I, I do too. Uh, would you go with for a, a nice surprise, most surprising? I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about mine too. I chose the Titans. Ooh. And I, this might seem like a little bit of an obvious one, but I think the way I'm going to go with it is less obvious. They were favored to win the division. I think you could put the Colts in the most disappointing category Mm -hmm. at this point, even though I didn't focus on them, but I thought about it. It's the dominance that has really surprised me from the Titans because in the past few weeks, they've had wins over Indianapolis, which was, we need to take a moment of silence to think about that game and how exhausted we were after watching it. Matt Williams, to give him some credit, had the, one of the best tweets I saw all day. It was about Carson Wentz's pick six mm. and how it was the worst decision ever instead of just taking it. It might have been the worst safety. decision ever. <laughs> and then he wrote underneath it, continued the inadvertently brilliant play of the day like absolutely hysterical that was just watching Carson Wentz's brain oh, I would love so to bad. just know what happens but anyway so the Titans beat the Colts which was a big win because it basically sewed up the division for them they are very comfortably going to win the AFC South then they beat the Chiefs 27 to 3 and they beat Buffalo on Monday night Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry's a huge blow. I almost Definitely, wanted yep. to put them on this list now in case they fall <laughs> off because midseason strongest team, second strongest team in the AFC behind Buffalo, which they beat. I just think they're very well balanced. Their defense struggled last year. Bud Dupree has been a huge addition. Um, Harold Landry, their young guy, has been really, really good has a ton of sacks. And then it's Kevin Byard, who I actually Byard is so good. I was wondering if you were going to mention him on your defensive player of the Mm, year. Byard is such a stud. He's so good. And they've become so much more complete when they, than they were last year, because you always knew AJ Brown was going to be great. You knew Derrick Henry was going to be great. Now they have some defensive playmakers that can change the momentum. And even when they're down 14 to Indianapolis, they have confidence in their defense to step up. 
Yeah, no, you're you're right. I I really like the Titans. I mean, look at it. I remember talking about them when they were sitting at three and two and us saying, you know, do we have confidence in them to yep. be able to rattle off wins? And now they're coming in here at six and two. Of course, without Derrick Henry, it's a much different football team. But I think we've seen, you know, it, Tannehill, he hasn't looked as the Tannehill we've seen over the last two years, which was a, honestly a top 10 quarterback in the league. We haven't seen which that. So, never got talked about it. No, no, but yeah. he was so good. He's been okay this year he's gonna have to step up now with henry out uh, and we'll see how the run game progresses that defense has made enough plays for them and that division i mean no one's gonna catch them now i really did think the colts had a chance for how that roster was built they uh, i have no confidence that they are going to be able to put together an actual run to be able to catch them uh so tennessee i, I like that a lot i don't know how you could have any confidence in anything indianapolis does no because it seems like right things- now change on the on the flip of a coin we were both shaking our heads as you were saying that yeah i, I mean we're at we're at the end of week eight and this division race is over it's done feels like has it. won. if yeah. derrick henry was healthy it's 100 percent over um, that's actually a good point they've got a few more opportunities to beat up on jacksonville and houston and but they're they don't care about that their their sites are now beating up on the other powerhouses in the afc which Definitely. they've shown that they can compete with and mm-hmm. beat my nice surprise is a little outside the box um, my nice surprise is the Peyton and Eli broadcast on ESPN oh my for Monday God, Night Football. Pat, I love I, that. Just like it, I'm not a huge fan of the Monday Night crew. It's nowhere close to as bad as the previous crew. Um, I think Lewis Riddick does an awesome job. I think Levy and Greasy are nice, but it just it doesn't fully work for me. So to have the option of Peyton and Eli sitting back talking football letting some things slip that shouldn't slip and show some things on TV that probably shouldn't be shown on TV. <laughs> exactly. I just flipped Pat. <laughs> Eli would be very proud. Um, yeah. It's been so entertaining and it's so great to listen to those two. Just talk about football. They've had amazing guests. I mean, Nick Saban, Tom Brady, Marshawn Lynch for other reasons was entertaining. Sue um, bird. Sue bird. Like, yeah. they're, they're, it's been so good. It's been so good and so entertaining. And I said, I, I'm not trying to do this as a let's just take shots at the ESPN Monday night crew because they take enough. Um, but I think that Peyton and Eli crew is or broadcast is just such an awesome addition to the NFL slate. I love that. I am so happy you brought this up because I feel <laughs> the same exact way. And even if the Monday night crew was exceptional, I would still watch the Manning cast. I would. That's too. how good it is. It's in its own league. And if my mom is listening, she I know how she feels about this. She thinks it's very annoying. And it's mostly because that they all, they all talk over each other and that's Mm -hmm. because it's zoom and obviously whatever I sit in front of the TV on Monday nights and I learn things. I did not know about football because you're listening to two potential hall of fame quarterbacks. Definitely hall of fame. (laughs) I said that for you. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, their brothers, they're hysterical. Mm, they're very I funny. I cannot get enough of their banter. The guests are unbelievable. It's so casual. It's so chill. And I'm learning about things. I'm learning formations that I didn't know on top of it just being entertaining. I cannot get enough of it. I was so disappointed when it took that I know, four I week know. break. Yeah, it should be on every single year, every single game, every single year, because they are just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I really hope this is something they keep going for multiple years because this is it's just so good it's so good it helps us learn like it's just it's so much fun yeah and it's it's a nice cadence when you've got the guests on and you're also talking about the game and I mean I thought the Tom Brady one was 
it was mind blowing to me. It was, it was so good. really unbelievable to hear Tom Brady talk about football and you hear the difference between him and Gronk when Gronk's talking yes. about how he never watches tape. It's just so funny, but you get to get a sneak peek into what the potential MVP of this season, going back to past mm. pick, what he thinks when he watches football and who gets to hear that. Yeah, it's it's some really good stuff. So that was my nice surprise. Wow, I got a little that. different for it. And then we'll close so on a negative creative. note. Thank you yeah, so much. I actually have a fun one that we can end on after Mr. That's good. disappointing. So there are some obvious ones here. I did the I obvious wa- one. Cleveland. I, I did Patrick Mahomes, nine interceptions. Oh, and okay. A, so I, I literally would have said, if not Cleveland, then Miami. Oh, I had put the Colts on my list because I really did high, have high expectations for them. The Chiefs are already on it. We've we've stayed away from that, but we've stayed away from it most of the year. But that's why I wanted to put it here. We're pretty much at the point where we got to start talking about it, though. Nine we, interceptions. He's there. leading the yeah. league in interceptions right now, and I know. Listen, he's chucking the ball around. He's still throwing a ton of touchdowns. The Chiefs' offense has mostly been fine. It's been the defense, but as you said, they no showed against the Titans and scored three points. Uh, we'll see if they get right against the Giants on Monday night as we record this, uh, and then everyone listens on Tuesday. But um, Mahomes being tied for the interception lead for a guy that's never really thrown interceptions, I, I have no problem putting them towards most disappointing. And at under 500, too, this yeah. Chiefs team with how stacked that's the it is. shocking thing. You have a couple bad games. You have the league, quote-unquote, figure you out, which I hate. Yeah. But – they finally know what Patrick Mahomes' weakness is, which is just pounding the offensive line because that's what worked against him in the Super Bowl. But to be under 500. That, that shocks week me. Eight, it really is shocking. Do you think he's scared? Do you think he's playing scared because of that offensive line? I don't think the offensive line's helping him. But the thing is, this isn't the first time Mahomes has played behind a bad offensive line. So that's, that's why it, it kind of surprises me that it's been this bad because, yeah, it's been just his unbelievable talent kind of overcoming the the really poor um offensive line but i think it's more like he's always been aggressive and he's always pushed the envelope and he's always forced things a little bit and he's gotten away with it because he's that good and this year he's forced it and he hasn't gotten away with it yeah we're finally seeing the the risks the consequences Mm -hmm. of those highlight reel throws and not all of it is his fault he's had some crazy deflections the offensive line has not been good the defense has been abysmal which is why they're in the the losing position in my opinion but I never thought we would be in a spot where we're saying Patrick Mahomes has to shore things up Mm -hmm. he's got to stop doing that he needs to be making the routine throws because otherwise you're putting your defense in a position where you can't make the miraculous 24 point comeback because it's just too much He's going to throw seven touchdowns tonight as we say this. (laughs) (laughs) Just to really beat me down. (laughs) The Chiefs are back. Yes. Exactly. But I I thought it was worth mentioning at this point. I I completely agree with you. We are definitely there. It's no Mm -hmm. longer just the clickbaity thing. The Chiefs are under 500 and it's legit. Uh, So my disappointing team, I wanted to highlight Washington. And it's mostly because we haven't talked about them. Mm -hmm. But when I was thinking about it, you would not have been scoffed at if you had Washington winning the NFC East. No. And it was mostly because of the question marks surrounding Dak and Cowboys defense, which we've talked a lot about and how well they've turned that around. And it's also just because Washington has been one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, they lose Fitzpatrick early on, which puts your team on a different path than you would have been when Mm -hmm. Tyler Heineke is your Taylor Heineke is your starter. 
the D line hasn't performed half as well as no, people thought. No, that's it would. been a big Chase problem. Chase Young isn't there. Montez Sweat isn't there. And then I had a crazy stat from ESPN. In Washington's last 13 trips inside the opponent's 30-yard line, so not the red zone, but the mm-hmm. 30-yard line, they've scored just one touchdown, two field goals, and on the other side, they've mm-hmm. thrown two interceptions, three blocked field goals, and have crazy. had five loss of downs. They just don't have an identity. No. They don't know what to do with themselves on offense, and – you don't have the defense picking things up and wowing like it did last year. So that that ends in, in a two and seven record with really no hope of even competing at any point throughout the rest of the season. And it's disappointing because I was excited to see what this Washington team could do. I really feel I felt like they were one quarterback away and mm-hmm. things have just gone down the drain. No, you're right. And while I will um, hammer myself on Miami, who I thought was going to be a playoff team this yes. year and has been a disaster, I will say I did say I thought Washington was being overrated, that I did not like them going in. I just – the pieces didn't feel like it fit to me, and I think you're seeing that. And that was me with without me thinking Heineke, you know, was going to be the, the quarterback and, and all the disaster that's been there. Um, to your point, they don't have an identity. I mean, Antonio Gibson's fine. He can definitely break some some big plays, but he's not a workhorse back for them, and, and that's a, you know a struggle for them. The defense would be the identity, and it just hasn't been there this year. Um, you know, it's I definitely get the disappointment because Ron Rivera, of course, great coach. That defense should be better. I think people thought the offense was going to progress a little bit. Terry McLaurin's still a stud, but it's a uh, it's been a lost year for them. My friend, Emily Ionacone is a writer for Forbes for Washington, and she just wrote such a good article about how they also don't have a lot of hope for the future. What's Mm -hmm. the long-term plan for Washington? Because they probably won't get a top three pick, maybe a top five, but this also isn't a huge quarterback. This is not a good quarterback draft. So they got to pay somebody, but if you pay somebody, then you got to make sure the rest of the roster is in a place where you can compete. And I don't know if you can say that about this year's team. Yeah. What are you going to trade for Jared Goff? I mean, that's been a disaster in Detroit. So I, Oh God. Yeah. Options are limited. This, as we just said there, this is not a quarterback draft. It's not. Um, So it's, it's going to put some teams in a tough position and Washington would be one of them where it felt like they put fits in here to be like, okay, well, here's our transition year. We'll figure things out after. Exactly. I'm not sure the future's out there this offseason. Um, yeah. We'll see how, you know, player movement could always shake up. Maybe they're the team to try to pry one of these quarterbacks away. You know, a, a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, I'm just throwing that out there because those are the rumors of, of quarterbacks that could move. I'm not saying that I think it's likely that happens yeah. to them. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where they go from here. Yeah, good call on the overrated in the preseason because that seemed like the fun pick. I picked them to upset the Bucks in the playoffs last year. I remember that. And they I made it that. close. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Heineke, he, he's obviously not the guy you expect more from Chase Young. And then I, I, I loved our picks, but you had to mention Miami and you have to mention Cleveland. Cleveland has been at times atrocious. And now they, they have a very hard path to even make it to the playoffs. And this is Cleveland we're talking about. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. you're, you're right. And you right, said you got one more. I got a fun one to end off to nice. end off on. And it ends into the it's the negative category, but we're making it. <laughs> Which team, Pat, is most likely to lose out? Oh wow. 
that's fun. <laughs> um, this is off the top of your head, not looking at schedules. No, no, um, no, I have no schedules in front of me. I think Detroit wins the game. Um, Jacksonville's done. They're losing out. Urban like, Meyer's gone at the end of this year. Yeah, that's. I'm going to go Jacksonville. If any karma exists, I really hope that Dan Campbell wins a game. I, that's what I'm saying. I can't, I can't pick against Dan Campbell. It. Yes. <laughs> Something is going to happen where the Lions are going to win. Honestly, when I was looking at Washington's schedule, I don't know if they can win. Oh, God. <laughs> I really don't know if they can win. Philly finally started piecing things together. Mm-hmm. They're not great. You've obviously got Houston, and I think Jacksonville is a really good pick. I mean, the Jets are up there, too. Um, if if only Mike White wasn't the new MVP of the I league, mean, but now that Jets, they got him. When you say lose out, you mean win out for the Jets, right? Because yeah. Mike White, here we come. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was a fun one. There are definitely that is. There, there's some there's some bottom dwellers that might struggle the rest of the season. I would yeah. say so. Uh, and remember, it's a longer season this year. So for while it's great for us to get some extra action, there are going to be some teams you don't want to see that extra game of, but we're unfortunately going to have to watch it. Yeah, I'm very happy that you also agree that the Lions are going to win, though. It's they're going to they're going to do it. It's, it's going to happen. It has. Dan to Campbell's going to cry in the press conference. Oh, it's going to be amazing. for sure, <laughs> without <tears>. a doubt. <laughs> no, but that was fun. I'm glad that was a different type of episode. We just kind of wanted to have some fun with it being election day and, and all that, and and bring you some different uh, some different votes. We're casting our votes. We'll see how we do towards the end of the year. We'll pull this back up and see how wrong we were about everything. Definitely. Obviously. Uh, I'm going to baseball for my number. What about you? Oh, sweet. College basketball. Okay. All right. I'll go first. I got a self-made one here. And this actually took a lot of time. And I really hope you appreciated that. (laughs) So game six is on Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, similar situation to the Red Sox, actually. I think the Braves could have done it game five at home going back to Houston just makes it so much harder, yes. so much harder to clinch in game six or seven. They're in trouble. The reason why I bring this up is because Max Freed is the tentative starter to start in game six. That That is, if you listen to our weekly walk-off on Friday with Lauren Auerbach, the guy that the Braves have, you finally get away from the bullpen games. You finally get some trust in Max Freed, who is the best pitcher in all of baseball for the second half of the season but who has struggled so far. So my craziest number of the week, Mm 72.1. And that is the average exit velocity of the balls hit by the Astros in their four run second inning in game two against Max Fried. So I'm going into very hard. (laughs) I'm going into the weeds a little bit, but that is exactly it. It's not very hard. And the Astros scored four runs. And it was basically off of singles. Michael Brantley hit a ball over 100 Mm -hmm. miles per hour. Otherwise, Jose Siri's RBI single was 51 miles per hour. There was also a fielding error by Rosario. My bottom line here is that I think Max Fried is going to have one hell of a game on Tuesday night. I think he's going to come back. He also retired nine of the last 11 batters he saw. After that horrible inning, the stat line says five innings, six runs, but it's not that simple because of that 72.1. That's not hard contact. That's not the Astros hitters being all over him. It's a little bit of luck and it's errors. I think if, if Max Fried can continue to limit that soft contact, his defense plays better behind him. We could see a different pitching performance by Max Fried, more similar to what it was in the end of the regular season. 
I'll say this. The Braves better win game six if they want to yeah. win this series. If this goes seven, oof, I, I think things can, can get a little ugly for them. No, this is their best chance with Freed on the mound. This is it. They have to win on Tuesday night is how I look at this. Yes, of course, they could bring back Ian Anderson for a game seven who pitched very, very well, of course, you know, with the, the five no-hit innings. But Freed's the guy. And, and that's what it comes down to. I love that you looked at soft contact. And that's what the Astros did. As you said, they found a, you don't see too many teams string hits together anymore. It's usually, you know, look for that, that big extra base hit, that big home run. The Astros did it against Freed. Um, I, it's starting to, I listen, once it got to three, one, I, of course, as most people did thought that series was over. The Astros might win this thing in seven. They don't roll over. They, they might. do not roll over. Yeah. This this stat was about my confidence in Max Freed, but it also is inadvertently about how good the Astros are, even when they're not cranking it. Mm-hmm. They just find ways to get things done. And I think you're right. I think this is the position the Braves want to be in. They have their guy on the mound. Mm-hmm. All things considered, this is what they want, and they've got to take it. Freddie Freeman's got a homer. Austin Riley's got to step up. He's been unbelievable. Astros are going to win this thing in seven. Yeah, I agree. Oh, do you really? Oh, I thought he was going to go with the Braves there then. (laughs) But no, this is, it's been a great series. It really has been. And so the Braves are going to try and close this thing out. Yeah. But then my number is college basketball. And I'm sure you saw this. I'm sure a lot of people saw this, but it's the winning percentage versus ranked opponents since 2012. And it's 64.7, which is Villanova's winning percentage, which is the number one. Uh, number and the number one school in the country that is ahead of Kansas, Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, Michigan State, Kentucky, UNC, all of them. And why I say that is because it's transitioning into, of course, what we talked about where we are now hosting State of the Nova Nation podcast. So check us out there as well. Love that. What a nice promo. I Free did. promo. Yeah, I, I did this. Our stat of the week as a promo this week. You know, just thought of my was that Was that over the last decade? Did you say? 2012. Oh, 2012. Mm-hmm. See, that's a culture. That is a winning culture that is putting time and emphasis and importance and confidence into grooming players. Yep. Because I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this. If you have a culture that's one and dones, you're not you're not stacking any stats. You're just trying to go after it year after year. You're not building anything important. Villanova has built this culture that that players want to play for, and they don't have to be the flashiest prospects. Mm-hmm. You can be a Colin Gillespie and develop into a preseason player of the year. That's exactly what it is. I love that stat. It's huge for Villanova, and hopefully it just continues, and I think it will, and there's no reason why it won't under Jay Wright. I, I think so too, but just too good of a stat to pass up there. Uh, so pretty cool. crazy to think about, you know, Nova going up against all those Goliaths that you would think about in college basketball, and it's 2012, Villanova's number one there. So cool. It's almost yeah. a decade too. Just almost a, almost a decade. Years. Very, yeah. very wow. close, but sweet. Awesome. All right. That will do it for us here on the, did you hear podcast? Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, did you hear pod? We'll be back maybe Thursday, maybe Monday. We're still figuring it out, you know, schedule is a little fluid, but we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> but Emma, that's a wrap.